Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. move from being just two separate individuals to a functioning, happy couple requires both effective communications and good negotiation skills. And, you know, things change when you get married, but somehow this seems to catch too many people by surprise. I'm not quite sure why, but it does. So to talk about how you can make this transition easier, I'm joined by Dr. Britt Brogard. She's the director of the Brogard Lab for Multisensory Research at the University of Miami. And more importantly, she's the author of On Romantic Love. So Dr. Brogard, Britt, thank you so much for being on the show to talk about this wonderful and important topic. Thank you so much for having me. So what I want to talk about today is in your recent article, Why Give and Take Always Beats Give and Give, some more, uh, you talk about people in romantic relationships needing to compromise. And so why is this so important to, to be skilled at this? It's super important to be skilled at compromising if you want a long-term relationship that lasts because uh, when you're dating or what people do nowadays, uh, which is more sort of uh, going out on Tinder dates or hooking up and so on, you don't have a need to, to compromise to the same extent because there's a certain level of neurotransmitters that your brain is producing that is sort of keeping a certain kind of excitement in place for both people. Oh, yes, but, those in-love uh, chemicals. Yeah, <laughs> chemicals, right. And those chemicals are going to change over the course of a relationship. So it's going to be less exciting. Uh, and the little uh, cute things that you really liked before are going to be annoying habits of the other person. It may be the very same things, or it may be that the situation also changes a little bit because you move in together, get married, as you said. And uh, at that point, you need to compromise. So there are, there are things that you will have to give up if you want a long-term relationship. Some things that you prefer, and there are also things, of course, you shouldn't give up in a long-term relationship. Right, and therein lies a huge challenge, and it's part of the reason why I personally don't like to use the word compromise. I like to use the word, you know, negotiate and accommodate, um, because for me, the standard definition or one of the standard lines about compromise is you give up something, I give up something, we meet somewhere in the middle. And I think it's the, it's the process of giving up that can create some challenges. Uh, although, it, you know, there's no way for two people to live together. I don't care if they're roommates or lovers or whatever, um, parent-child, without some making room for how the other person does something. And that seems to be a really challenging issue for a lot of the people that I see. Yes. 
I, I think that's uh, when you talk about negotiation, it's 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 a it's a way of putting a positive spin on it because negotiation means that you you get something, you 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 give something, but you also get something, right? Whereas compromise sounds like you're just giving something up, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, it it amounts to the same thing. So. Of course, compromise is also something you need to talk about. Negotiation is, uh, by the very definition, something you do in the process of communicating. Uh, but you, I mean, you can't really compromise in the right way without talking about it. So I think it's just two different ways of characterizing the same phenomenon that you need to compromise or you need to negotiate. The negotiation is the active process of talking about it, but part of the negotiation will involve making some compromises. Right. And the most important thing, I think, is just the willingness to do that. And I really wish I could remember the name of this um, singer, but she was interviewed on a radio show probably a year and a half ago or something, and I was so struck by something that she said was that she said she wasn't in any kind of a relationship because it would require her to compromise who she was. <laughs> and I thought, well, at least she's aware of that and she's avoiding any romantic entanglements. Um, I'm not sure how many of us can actually do that or how many of us really want to do that because it seems like there's this push and pull between wanting to be part of a relationship but wanting to hold on to everything about ourselves you know not wanting not wanting to be uncomfortable in any way because our partner wants to do it a different way is that That's exactly right i mean we become increasingly narcissistic as as a society um and part of that it has to do with the way that we raise our children um, but it also has an impact on, on how people engage in terms of romantic relationships. So there's um, there is that idea that you can you can stay the same and you can do the same and still have a relationship or a marriage. And that just isn't the case. <laughs> and, and this is where people seem to be really surprised. It's like, what? I have to do something different? It's like, well, yes, if you want the relationship to be successful, you have to allow, you know, for some of your partner's ways of being to enter into it. Um, you know, and so this brings up something else that you said in the article. You said that compromise means a loss of personal autonomy. So how can somebody stay an individual, hold on to themselves as an individual, but also compromise at the same time. Yeah, that's exactly the problem. So you want to hold on to enough of yourself. You don't want to give up everything about yourself in order to be in a relationship. So you want to keep some elements that are important to you and and keep those parts of yourself but it is a loss of autonomy in the sense that if it's if you have autonomy in the really true sense then you are fully in agreement with every outcome right and and, and if, let's take a, a very simple example. So you love action movies, uh, whereas your your husband uh, really loves um, 
uh, chick flicks, so to speak. And and um, and what, if you then uh, have a movie night and you decide to watch a girly movie because your husband uh, loves those love uh, romantic love comedies or whatever, uh, you're not in full agreement with that because you would have preferred to maybe watch a movie with uh, Bruce Willis in his end or, or some other action movie. Uh, but but that those are small compromises and those are just giving up small parts of who you are. You don't want to give up big personality traits in order to be in a relationship. So that comes down to that there has to be a certain kind of basic compatibility before you can have a relationship where you don't lose all of your autonomy. Well, and I think that's a critical point, and I and I really can't remember who you might know who. Um, what researcher came up with this? It may have been John Gottman, um, but you're basically where it says that you know two thirds of disagreements, or uh, yeah, probably just disagreements in a relationship go unresolved. But you, but it's figuring out which are the two thirds that are unimportant to not resolve versus the one third that it is important to resolve, as opposed to, you know, dying on the hill for every single thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right, you have to pick your fights. Um, so there are some things that you can probably let go and some things that that mean a lot to you and then and those issues should be resolved and if it's not always your fault right if they're not resolved because if the other person does not bring it up then that may not be a way for you to know that the other person is unhappy so it takes two to tango and and the, the person who's unhappy about something needs to speak up and if it's something that is important to you well, it should be important to you, but also something that you disagree with. And so it's important uh, to you that it's not the way that the other person says it is. Then you need to speak up about that, right? And that's where you then need to find a, a, a compromise. Um, and it may also be that the other person is not bringing up something that really doesn't matter to you. Um, but again, that can mean that the relationship ends prematurely because you never, you never knew that it was, it was a problem and the other person is not bringing it up and it doesn't really matter to you. Maybe it's a bad habit you have. Maybe it's something that you're doing, you want your partner and you to do, but it doesn't matter that much to you. But no, no one ever tells you, so you can't do anything about it. So Right. Which, so yeah, up, um, good good and, communication uh, is, is absolutely critical. And I think that we don't necessarily teach people how to do it well, but I want to go back to some Something that you said about not letting go of the important parts of yourself, which I think is, you know, I, I tell people it's always fair to ask your partner to change their behavior, but it's never fair to ask them to change who they are. Because first off, I'm not sure they can. And second off, it's like, well, isn't that the person you fell in love with? I mean, you know, the behavior might be, okay, can you, you know, can you not leave your dirty socks on the floor? Can you put them in the, in the hamper? Or can you call me if you're going to be late? I mean, that's behavior. That's not who they are as a person and what, and what matters to them. I had a client once ask his wife, when she was going to stop writing. And she just looked at him like, when I die? I mean, <laughs> right, right. it's who she is. It's not, in her particular case, it wasn't just something that she did. It's, it's who she was. Right. Yeah, but that's still, of course, that's still a balance in terms of how many behaviors you can change without also changing who you are. So it's not 
completely separable. But I agree that there are many behaviors that you can change without changing who you are. But if you have a number of behaviors that you need to change, uh, then maybe you are forced to become a different person. So let's say that you are uh, by nature an introvert, right? So you you don't mind going out occasionally, but you also like a lot of alone time and staying home and so on, um, reading books, maybe uh, watching television. And but if you're asked to to behave like an extrovert, then the question is whether that is not also affecting you as a person uh, because in some sense you would then be asked to not be an introvert anymore so, so that's, <laughs> sort of a, uh, that's sort of a limit to how many of your behaviors you, you, you can or should be willing to change right and and that's what the kind of thing I'm talking about about those those things that make us who we are that we can't change speaking as an introvert <laughs> and you know what people don't understand that you know it's it's about finding the places where you can say yes so like you were talking about earlier the the movie it's like okay so that's 90 minutes maybe 2 hours out of your life that you're willingly spending with your partner maybe you're not doing exactly the same exactly the thing you want to do but it's actually I kind of look at it as as a gift to your partner, as long yeah. as there's mutual gift giving. Yeah, and then you can also try to achieve some balance, right? So it doesn't have to always be okay. Now we watch your kind of movie Monday, and then we watch my kind of movie Tuesday. But sort of overall, over say a couple of months or a year, there's a fifty fifty percent balance uh, in terms of that if you have. Given that those two hours on a number of occasions, you might expect the other person to give that or something else so that it sort of evens out in the end. Of course, you don't want that system where you sort of have check marks so, so that Monday I do this for you and Tuesday you do this for me. So that's not going to work. Right. But, yeah. You can't you can't keep score because then <laughs> that's that's one of those things that puts your relationship at risk. Yes. Yes. It's keeping score definitely, uh, which would just lead to criticism and potentially other forms of verbal abuse. The keeping score is not uh, is not okay. It's not something that's going to work in a relationship. But you probably have a feeling by, say, the end of the year or after a couple of months whether it's something that's fair, right? Whether you have actually given a little bit each of you in the relationship or whether you have just been given these gifts uh, of your time to your husband or to your partner uh, and 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 you haven't gotten anything back so it's more like a feeling I think that right and I, I tell people that relationships are reciprocal and it's and how good the relationship is is a function of how well there is that give and take and both people feeling valued and and heard. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking to author and professor Dr. Britt Brogard about the importance of being able to compromise for the success of your romantic relationship. And, you know, if reaching common ground is a challenge in your relationship, then I invite you to get in touch with me and take advantage of my free, no obligation, create your happily ever after marriage strategy session. You can reach me at area code 919 
924-0463, or you can shoot me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie.com. And, you know, th- what we're talking about today is a really critical component of making a relationship work and feeling heard and feeling respected are key components and one of those things is feeling like your partner makes room for you so um brit you know you also say and you mentioned you know a narcissism before but you say that compromise doesn't work if one person only thinks about themselves but we've also been talking about speaking up and getting you know our own needs and desires met. So how are these things two things different that if I'm standing up for myself, that's not just thinking about myself? Yeah, so uh, first of all, by, by narcissism, I don't just mean the, the disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. I mean uh, narcissism in a broader sense. But there's a difference between uh, being a narcissist, in, even in the broader sense, and having respect for yourself and having self-love. So so narcissism is not the same as respect for yourself and self-love. You have to love yourself in order for other people to love you, mm-hmm. and you have to have respect for yourself in order for other people to have respect for you. And, and that's something we all want in a relationship is respect. And so... That that the difference between narcissism and having respect is that in with narcissism you are really not thinking about anyone other than yourself. It's not just about you being respected, or maybe you even have a, a slight you know preference for. Or we all have a preference for admiration, but it's. It comes down to if you're a narcissist that it's all about you and it's not just about you being respected or getting some compliments. It's about you, 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 and you will not give up anything of your life or your uh, way of being uh, for another person. So you will be willing to interact with another person, but only if they that's sort of within uh, your limits and your interests and your preferences. Uh, so that so that's sort of the difference. Uh, you can demand respect uh, without being a narcissist. Right. So it's so it's what we were talking about before about being willing to maybe watch a movie that isn't my favorite or going to a restaurant. You know, you want Mexican food and I want Italian. And so it's not like we always go to an Italian restaurant that sometimes we'll go to a Mexican restaurant. Um, it's that it's that importance of the reciprocity, that give and take, that willingness to make room for the other person, to do something yeah. that they like. Yeah. Exactly, and and what people also have to remember is that it doesn't always happen automatically, even if you are not with a narcissist, because communication is needed, right? You have to you have to communicate these things, and and so maybe it happens automatically. Maybe you just naturally go to so you love Mexican, I love Italian, so we sort of automatically just take turns going to Mexican and Italian uh, restaurants, and we don't need to talk about it. But in other cases, 
we do need to sit down with our partners or or our our spouses and and talk about what the other person wants with their life, what they like, what they prefer. And if we don't do that, we don't know if they're just sort of giving in. Uh, also because, again, people have different personalities and not everyone will say something if they feel that they're not being respected or that their wishes are not being fulfilled. Right. And that's a critical thing that I see all the time, um, either because there's a fear of speaking up that my partner won't like what I have to say or yeah. or it might create some kind of conflict but in that case if I always as I tell my clients if if you tell your partner that something is fine then they're not going to disbelieve you why would they uh, you know it's like are you sure you're I mean they're not going to go are you sure you're fine they're not going to ask you 20 times are you sure this is what you want to do especially if it's in alignment with what they want to do so if you say it's fine and it's not, that's really where the problem is. And I tell my clients that, you know, you will not know in the moment whether your partner is being completely upfront with you, but you will eventually know. But it's a dangerous habit to get into. So do you have some recommendations about the best way or how people can actually graciously acknowledge their own position when they're in conversation with their partner. I agree that you should never say that something is fine if it's not. But it, it may be that you are not sure whether something is fine yet because you have to think about it. And then I think that it's perfectly fine to say, well, let me think about this. If there's a suggestion on the table or or something like that, if, if, if it's a small one, should we go to that restaurant? You can say, you can just say like, well, let me think about that for five minutes. But I'm not quite sure what kind of food I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's... If it's something that is a bigger issue and you're not sure if you're fine with it or not, uh, it's, it's, it's perfectly okay to take a little bit of time and tell the other person that you just want a little bit of time to, to think about it, whether you're fine with it or not. The most important part is that, that it's brought up, right? That is that you are asked. And so that's a, that's a good uh, step in the relationship that you're even being asked if something is fine with you. But sometimes, People, I think sometimes people say that they're they're fine with something because the relationship is already not going very well, so they're afraid of saying they're not fine with something because they don't want to ruin the relationship or make it worse than it already is. You should not say you're fine with something that you're not fine with, um, but it's not obvious that you should just have an answer to every single question right then and there. Sometimes. <laughs> You can, it's okay to take some time and think about it. If it's a really, really small thing, maybe you could just let it go, whether it's fine or not with you. You can just say you're fine with it if it's really small. Um, should I put, you know, should I put the knife on the right side of the plate? Or, or, <laughs> yeah. Some of the stuff that people get spun out over, and I tell them that's really, they're not really getting upset about the knife. Uh, they're getting upset about something altogether different. But I do think that's absolutely, you know, essential that for people to understand the difference between, um, you know, what needs to be decided. And I know that human beings just don't like uncertainty. They want a definite answer. So there's some of us that are more inclined to, quote, unquote, give in. Um, but then, of course, that creates some problems down the line in the relationship, which I know people want to avoid problems. And for me, 
what we're talking about, about being up as upfront as you can, yeah. is a way to solve that. So what are some compromises that actually need to happen for a romantic relationship to thrive? Well, um, I, I want to I want to say uh, just to add to, to uh, the the remark I'm fine with something that when you make uh, romantic compromises, you you don't have to say you're fine with it, but you could you could indicate that. Uh, you're fine with it in one sense that you're fine with it because you want the other person to see this movie or eat at this restaurant, right? But, but, so there's a difference between saying, okay, I'm fine with it, making it sound like, oh, that's what you prefer, and saying, well, this is something I, I'm fine with because I know it means something to you. So the other person also knows that when you're giving in. But there, I mean, there, there are things that, that, um, some compromises that are necessary. I mean, that's if you really want to stay together in a marriage, for example, and it's important uh, that you are on uh, that you have talked about whether you want kids, right? Oh yes. For example, that's a, that's a really big one. Uh, if one person does not want kids at all, and the other person wants kids, at least one, you know, and they are not going to give in on that, that then the relationship is not going to work. Um, so, so that's, a, so that obviously is a big one. Um, it's, it's, if before you live together, so if you have uh, separate homes, it's also important that you take turns. I mean, there might be reasons that you're only in one person's place because maybe it's a more comfortable place, more comfortable location, easier to get to after work. But if not, then then you should not sort of be the kind of person who expects the other person to always come to your place because you feel more comfortable at that place and and um, and that you don't want to sort of take your things and go to the other person's place uh, and so, so right. you don't you don't want to be inconvenienced but you don't have any problem making the other person be inconvenienced <laughs> right exactly of course there can be situations where it just is more convenient for both people to be at one place but right but and that, and in that case, it's fine as yeah. long as both people are on board with it, and every and, and the fine is a real fine, not a fine fine. <laughs> exactly. And then of course that's the money issue. I mean, I I recommend that people keep their money separate for uh, at least until they get married or they get to the same stage um, as of you know, a, a common law marriage or something like that. Uh-huh. At the very least, uh, live together. But even when you live together, when you start living together, there is a way to keep your money separate and have a joint account for joint uh, bills. I also think that it's uh, fair that if you make more money than the other person, that you pay more. Um, if the if you are in a serious relationship or marriage, um, if you and this is um, when you have separate money, so when you still have separate bank accounts, right? Uh, but if you make different um, amounts of money, well, and you really are serious about the relationship, well, then that, it's not to say that you have to pay exactly the same relative to what you are making, but you could. Think about that if you, if you want to do certain things together, um, it can't be the case that one person is has to take out a, a credit card loan and the other person is, is still saving money. So I think the money the money issue is definitely something to talk about uh, early on in the relationship. Not too early, of course, but right. early enough um, when when it's a serious relationship and certainly before marriage and 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 to some extent also before moving in together. Although there are ways to to have 
separate money and live together um, by by having a third account for say joint bills or something like that. Uh, so that's uh, that's a definitely a, a big one. Um, there's there's also uh, cases there's a lot more cases of of people where one person has children from a previous marriage, for example. Uh-huh. Um, and and the other person does not, and so there's a lot there to make compromises about. That. Yes, that's a that's a minefield that most people seriously underestimate. Right, right, because if it's uh, so, so the, the one person, perhaps the one person does not even want children, but does not mind uh, being with a person who has a, a child from a previous marriage, uh, but. Maybe the person who doesn't want children then expects the other person to do all the work. That's not going to work, right? Because <laughs> yeah. to have um, children are really, really hard. I have, I have a daughter myself, um, and and it's it's hard work. And I would not want to be with a person uh, who would not uh, sort of do their share of the work if I were to live with them, even though it's my daughter. Uh, so I'm a single parent right now, but if if I were to meet a person and be in a relationship with that person, I would want that person to to uh, do some of that work. Right, because because your daughter is part of your life, and if they want, and if this other person wants to be part of your life, that's part and parcel of yes something that isn't going to change. Because your daughter, I mean, your daughter at some point in time will grow up, but that's yes. <laughs> but, but she's still yeah. going to be in your life no matter how old she is. So this is you know, so I think. That one of the things that I think we could take away from just the the list that you are giving is the real necessity for people to be willing to talk about these things and move past their fear of the relationship ending. Because if you can't reach agreement on these things, the relationship is going to end anyway. And this is right. the thing that kind of surprises me. It's like, well, and why would you want to be with somebody who doesn't want to make room for you? Right. So, um, Dr. Brogard, can you tell people more about you know, where they can find your book or more about um, the process of compromise and some of the other work that you do? Yeah, so unromantic love, which is not non-romantic love, but um, on the space romantic love uh, can be found just uh, on on Amazon um, and .com, uh, but or or um, by Penguin. It was published with uh, sorry Oxford University Press. I have another book that's called The Superhuman Mind, which is less about relationships. So there's some interesting stuff about dream interpretation that might be relevant to to relationships in that. That's that's called the superhuman minds and that one is uh, published with penguin that's also available on um, amazon.com or from penguin directly um, and then uh, those links uh, also can be found on the two blogs that I maintain uh, one is the mysteries of love uh, which is uh, on psychology today and the other one is the superhuman mind which is also on psychology today so so if you search psychology today the superhuman human mind or psychology today mysteries of love you will find my articles and also there will be links to uh, the books if you want to know more about these issues well terrific so you know what are what people to understand is that in a healthy relationship neither one of you can give up who you are at your core that's a disaster in the making yeah. but you each need to be willing to come out of your own comfort zone to make room for the other person and expecting 
getting your partner to make all the adjustments is really unworkable in the long term. And I also suggest that you can that you say yes as often as you possibly can to your partner because it gives you a strong foundation to withstand those times when you have to say no and making decisions together that support both of you individually and the relationship is what will keep your love alive and thriving so until next time stay loving 